What's up, everybody? Happy Hump Day. This is Stick to Football Bleacher Reports, NFL Draft and College Football Podcast. I'm Matt Miller, joined as always on Wednesday by my buddy, mouthful, by my buddy, who's not a mouthful, Connor Rogers. What's up, dude? What's going on? My brain's still fried, apparently. That's so. all right. It's been a long week considering, you know, we're not even really fully halfway through just yet. But, um, you know, it's exciting because we have a really good show today. You obviously, you guys are coming off an awesome weekend with the Hellraisers down at Texas. A big Texas win over USC. We got a lot of info to give you guys because in two weeks, we're going to be in Fort Worth going to TCU to watch them play Iowa State. Scouts report, quarterback reviews, and not just college quarterbacks. We're talking about Pat Mahomes, superstar. Uh, not looking like superstars, Deshaun Watson and Mitch Trubisky, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen. We got to see Rosen. So we have a lot to go through today, man. And it, as always, I mean, we're going to close this baby out with some draft on draft questions. You guys threw a lot of great ones in there. Like Connor said, once again, and finally, we want to say thank you to the Longhorn Hellraisers for hosting us. Uh, Travis, the president, Mason, Dante, like all the guys who made that guys and girls who made that a great Saturday down in Austin. We thank you. And we're on to Fort Worth, as Bill Belichick was said. Stay tuned to every episode. Also, check out our social channels so you can find out where we'll be tailgating. We'll be set up with the tailgate guys. So if you find the tailgate guys village, you'll find us. But we'll give out exact locations as we get a little bit closer to the date. But let's definitely start off, man, talking about what's going on around the league. We got some scouts quotes that I want to get to. But I, I do want to talk about these first and second year quarterbacks first and foremost, because this is something that, yeah, we are very, very much college football, but we're also NFL draft. And these are players that we very recently evaluated. And I want to start with Patrick Mahomes, uh, who who is our quarterback, by the way. I think it's official. Pat is our quarterback. Now. He's proved me wrong time and time again. Not that I didn't necessarily, I didn't dislike him. I just didn't expect this that quickly. So that's what I wanted to talk about, man. Okay, so. 10 touchdowns, no interceptions, 2-0, and lighting the NFL on fire. Making big throws. Yes, and not just deep throws, but timely throws, making plays. I think he's thrown a touchdown to like eight different players. It's ridiculous. So here's the thing about Mahomes that I think is really an important discussion to have. Situation matters, and we've said it so many times. So this is not to take anything away from Pat, who listens to the show, has been on the show, is a friend of this program. We love Pat as a, a person, as a player. This is not because I've had a couple instances in the last week where people have completely fucking misinterpreted something that I've said. So I want to make it very clear. (laughs) We love Pat. Situation matters. And he would tell you that. I mean, he's told me that like him, if he had been drafted number two or number three overall last year by the Chicago Bears, he would not be having the success. If If he had been drafted by the Houston Texans, he would not be having the success. That is not to take anything away from him. He is an incredibly talented player. But he is fortunate enough to have a head coach in Andy Reid who understands how to use him. And I, I think uh, another comparison to that would be Jared Goff as a rookie or Todd Gurley in his second year where like Jeff Fisher and the Rams just didn't know how to use these guys. And they really struggled with Pat. It's a perfect mixture of a player with really, really rare talent being matched with a system and an atmosphere that was perfect for him. So uh, all that is to say. I wasn't that high on him in, in that quarterback class. I think he was my number two quarterback behind Trubisky. Uh, and I I'm, I don't remember where you had him ranked because here's what matters. The minute he was drafted by Kansas City and they said, we're not going to play you your rookie year. You're going to sit and learn. Everything changed. And that's something that you can't prepare for in the pre-draft process. You can't have one report for if he's a Brown or a Bear or a Niner or whatever. And another one, if he goes to a team like Kansas City, 
which was really the only situation like that where he was going to be able to sit for one year and then take over an offense that's loaded with all this speed. It's really great scouting and team building by Brett Veach, Andy Reid, and everyone in Kansas City. I think when you look at it, too, the guy put in the work. It's as simple as that. Not every guy shows up, and I know... You know, the ultimate example we use is Baker Mayfield. There's a lot of guys, though. I think there's been questions about Paxton Lynch and how much time he put in and how quickly he failed. Mahomes is a guy with all of the raw talent in the world, and he maximized it, or it looks like to be maximizing it, by putting in the work. And like you said, Matt, he's in a great system. So he's been awesome through two weeks. Do I think he's going to throw 80 touchdowns? No. I think at some point you regress to the mean. But when it comes back down to it, he's killing it. And he looks like a guy... That could very well be a top five quarterback in the NFL. Maybe when this season's even done, he's looked that good. The other guys, though, so far, you're rolling right perfectly into talking about the next guys because people were saying yeah. that about Deshaun Watson when he got hurt last year. the The hype around him this summer was otherworldly. Like, I mean, people were talking about he's going to be a top five or six quarterback, and he has really struggled so far. And, I find it funny that people on Twitter are uh, last night. The Bears were playing on Monday night. We're recording this Tuesday morning. And people were saying, like, oh, the Bears could have had Deshaun Watson. He's not playing that well either, guys. Like, I don't know if that's the war cry you want to rally around. It's been it's been disappointing. I think there's a lot of concerns around him. But when the protection has been there, he has also missed some throws. So it's like everything is crumbling at once where their offensive line is embarrassing. Okay, let's just get that right. And when you can't pass protect, they also don't really appear to have some lights out run game that's going to supplement him all the time. But he's had his own struggles. And the same could be said for Trubisky right now, who I love the script they come out with, but he's a bit out of control. And the out of control play is starting to reflect on some missed throws. So Watson and Trubisky, these guys are very young. It's year number two. I mean, it's and not with Trubisky. Sorry, not no, to go step ahead, on go your ahead. toes here, man, but, but Trubisky. My biggest concern with him uh, when he came out of North Carolina was ah, a guy only started one year. And I think we're seeing that. And he didn't even start a full year last year as a rookie. So we're, we are at a very limited snap count still for Mitch Trubisky. And I hope that we will see him speed up his processing. Cause to me, that's the biggest issue right now is once they get out of those scripted plays, he's so slow to, to process and he's telegraphing things. I thought they did a great job in the second half last night, Matt Nagy and Mark Helfrich of, okay, we're going to scrap the plan. Now we're going to go to short, quick hitters. We're going to get the ball out of your hand fast. We're not going to give you the opportunity to telegraph and pause in the pocket, just one, two, three, boom, throw. And we saw their offense open up. So that gave me uh, some encouragement that maybe his issues are fixable. Hey, he can win you games. I, I don't have any concerns yeah. with that. And I think talk about, turning things around so quickly the bears defense has looked amazing oh so my far. god they, i mean yeah. khalil like and you made a really good point matt when khalil mack gets in football game shape he's going to be the same guy in the second half that we've seen in the first half so far both games yeah if we could just get kyle fuller to turn around and find the ball i know <laughs> that's frustrating as hell but let's talk about your guy sam darnold week one they beat the hell out of the detroit lions and everybody's like oh my god we got the sam chise up here week two <laughs> god come back down to earth a little bit more. And now week three, they have the Cleveland Browns and that is a very good defense at Cleveland. What's what's your read on Sam Darnold right now, where he's at in his development? Well, I think some of his best throws so far have been drops. I mean, the two times he rolled out and threw the ball far down the field against Miami, 
Terrell Pryor, it was a tough play to make, but it hit him in the hands. It went well, it went through his hands. Chris Herndon was <laughs> wide open and just dropped. I mean, <laughs> Matt, you and I would have caught that ball. Let me just yeah. say that. But and, and I like Herndon. I just think it was just a mental lapse there. He's a rookie. There's been a lot of highs and lows with Darnold, but the offensive line has not been good. I mean, Robert Quinn looked like peak Robert Quinn on Sunday. Darnold was running away the entire game when he wasn't being sacked. I think he's shown a lot of poise, which has been impressive. I'll tell you what I don't feel good about is this Thursday night football game because this is the Jets' third game in 10 days. It's on the road in Cleveland. And I don't think the Jets with three people can block Miles Garrett in this game. I don't think they can either. I don't no one could block Miles Garrett right now. And I think the Jets probably know that they're gonna give up and let Cleveland get their first win. I would be I would be worried about it too. I just think that the Browns defense is so good. And we're going to get to talk to one of the, the keys to that in Christian Kirksey. So maybe we'll get a game prediction from him, but uh, Josh Allen uh, up in Buffalo. I actually think this is the worst team in the NFL. And, and I know that there are some bad teams out there right now. No, they I think are. the bills are the worst <laughs> team in the NFL. And that is not to make an excuse for Josh Allen. We're still seeing him be, I think too careless with the football. I, I think he is at times struggling to see the field, hopefully kind of like with Trubisky, we see that start to slow down, but the completion percentage uh, is, is just not going to get it done. The, you know, 54, I think, percent. And I, I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't watched the film on this game yet because we were driving back from Austin. So I've watched the condensed version. But uh, man, it, it I think there were some things that gave you pause and you could be concerned about. But they're also just a really, really bad football team right now. Well, I think my biggest concern is He's still showing the bad habits that we had concerns and would hope he would grow out of. It's hard to grow out of them when you're on that bad of a team in that bad of a situation. I agree. When you're worrying about getting killed and just trying to make a play when you have no playmakers, those bad habits are going to linger, and they still are. And that's on him. There's no way around it. It's whether it's the missed throws, whether it's not reading things before the line of scrimmage and allowing a free rusher to get to you. Those issues are still lingering. I am lacking confidence that this is the place where he can clean up on those. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of uh, a Bortles in a lot of ways where you just almost wonder if it's going to take more time than normal, you know, because it's going to be he's going to be on bad teams where he's not he's just going to be asked to just kind of be a playmaker at times. But I think you can look at Bortles now. And I know Sims and Lefko are going to spend a lot of time talking about him this season because of his improvement. But I see a lot of that with Josh Allen where like this guy is just he he needs help and he needs time, but he's being thrown to the fire. So is he ever going to get it? And that's not to make an excuse for him. You all know. Yeah, I liked him in this class. If I'm wrong, I'll be the first guy up there owning it. But I, I think it is hard to see a lot of improvement when you're on a team that bad. One other rookie who is also on a very bad team, Josh Rosen. Uh, I think at some point we have to say, all right, I understand that he's going to get hit back there because their offensive line is really bad. But Sam Bradford is what he went. He, he threw for 90 yards on Sunday. He only threw for 150 the Sunday before that. I mean, it's just comical right now how awful this offense is. They're not using David Johnson. They they just can't get anything going. I think at, at some point you got to go to the rookie quarterback and say, all right, we drafted this kid in the top 10 to be the guy. Let's see it. Let's see if he's the guy. I'm with you all the way. This is my favorite quarterback. Now, I think he's going to be in an Allen situation where he gets pummeled. Or, But at the same time, when the pocket gives him time, he can make all the throws. 
Bradford's selling point for so long has been, well, he's accurate. He doesn't even look accurate this no. year. And it's like, at what point is this hindering the entire franchise because the receivers can't get anything done? You could stack the box against David Johnson, even though you're not giving him the football. The offensive line isn't very good. Get some kind of spark for this franchise. Josh Rosen is ready to play. He's yawning on the sidelines because he's so <laughs> bored of watching this awful product of football. I know he's they're scared of him taking hits. Guess what? Everybody's going to get hit. Sam Darnold took ridiculous shots on Sunday. There's going to be a time where Baker Mayfield plays and, and Josh Allen already is. Those guys are going to take and Allen has already taken some hits. It's the big leagues. You got to play your guy. This is a franchise that is trending in a race with the Bills to pick number one overall next year. And I hate the and I, I know a lot of teams don't come out and say I hate the fans who will be like, we can't play him. He'll get hurt. No. OK, you can't be afraid to play a first round pick at quarterback. Like what? We can't play him because he'll get hurt. He's going to get hit eventually anyway. Like and, you said, you you got to get him out there. Do you think you're going to find the, the fountain of offensive linemen in the spring where you get the Cowboys right. 2016 line? Like that's yeah, not, not happen. Maybe you get a left tackle. Maybe you sign a right guard. At the end of the day, it's on the, it, I, I understand offensive line play. It, the talent matters. Coaching matters. But the quarterback, once again, it goes back to you can see things before the play. This is what I really liked about Rosen. I thought he was one of the smartest players in the entire draft. Maybe he does come in and adjust protections. Maybe he does understand when the ball needs to be out and where it needs to be. You need something, and you can't hide this guy. That was what a lot of people thought the Bills were going to do with Allen. They swallowed their mistake and said, you know what? We can't have Nathan Peterman out there. We're going to put Allen out there. And as he was bad on Sunday, there was some positives to take away. It wasn't like a nightmare where it was Peterman all over again or Bradford, what Bradford's doing in Arizona. Yeah, I, I'm with you, dude. And I think that one thing that I wanted to jump on was a scout's quote that really ties in well a lot of the things we've been talking about. You talk about Arizona, you're not going to find the 2016 Cowboys offensive line in the draft. And if you're the the Oakland Raiders, okay, you're not going to be able to find Khalil Mack unless, unless you get Nick Bosa, then you might be able to. But all these teams tie all their hopes to draft picks and you still have to draft well. And one thing, my scout's quote for the week you're getting into it. These guys are out on the road talking to one scout this week. He said, man, uh, I just don't see this draft class as being great. Like I really don't see this as being a year where you're going to want a lot of picks. It's really Bosa Ed Oliver. And then we're still trying to figure out the rest of the class. So uh, it's only September 18th as we're sitting here recording, obviously some opinions can and should change, but the early look on this draft class is that it's not very good. Well, I'll tell you what the biggest problem is, and I don't think that's a crazy quote at all. There was a couple of potential franchise tackles frontlining this, and I still like Jonah Williams as a left tackle. It sounds like the league is mixed on that. Obviously, it, the Trey Adams injury on Washington just, I mean, it puts a huge damper yeah. on the entire class as a whole. And then, you know, what Greg Little are we going to get? So when it comes down to it, the that was a big billing of this class. It's disappointing. I'm going to talk about stock down later. A.J. Brown, to me, is not the guy he was billed as right away. And maybe that changes, but I need him to perform against top competition. The running back class isn't very good. I do like some other wide receivers. I like Cleland Farrell as much as you. I think he's really, really good. But once again, Matt, like outside of Greedy Williams, what corners do you really like that right now? We're going to catch up. But it's just not really that impressive as a whole yet, this group. 
What's funny is, uh, as we're talking about this, something that I have to do kind of weekly is look at my big board, make adjustments to my big board. And so my top five, and my bosses might get pissed at me for sharing this before I write it, but I don't fucking care. So number one, Nick Bosa. Number two, Ed Oliver. Number three, I have Rashawn Gary. Number four, I have Jonah Williams. Number five, I have Greedy Williams, right? So that's my top five. After that, I swear on my life, in my spreadsheet, and, and you know how my board is always set up, like it's just in a Google sheet. Yep. I have five empty rows after that where I'm just like, uh, who's number six? There's a like, gap. I, I don't want to put anyone in there. And we'll talk about some of these guys in stock up, but they, there almost needs to be like a gap. The next time we publish a big board, I might ask them, can we just put a big gap between those top five and the rest of this class? Because there's just, you, you almost need to start publishing grades to show the discrepancy between these guys, because right now it really is like a four or five guy class. And then we're just waiting, hoping somebody else gets good. And, and this can happen at times. Like Devin white has played pretty well so far. But once again, like you said it, the gap here is so gigantic where if you're picking like 15th, you might come away very, very disappointed with what your board is looking at. All right. Now, as we always do, we're going to keep you updated on Stockwatch. Who's up? Who's down? Matt is feeling like Mr. Positive this week as I look at this <laughs> rundown. He's got five, five stock ups. <laughs> I have three and two down. Um, stock up for the guy that made the play of the week. Good, And you probably love this when you saw the replay, Matt, because it was against those damn freaking <laughs> Sooners. Hakeem Butler, six foot six. It looks like he's 225, 230. Iowa State wide receiver. Man, not a ton of buzz on this guy this summer. Maybe like a late day three pick, but yeah. he played like a grown ass man this weekend. And in a class full of a lot of good wide receivers, he's trying to get his name right in the mix. Yeah, man, he had a semi Cobbs game. And if people are like, who, who the fuck is semi Cobbs? Last why. year <laughs> in the opener, he played for Indiana and he just went, he mossed everybody from Ohio State. People are like, who the hell is this? Where'd this kid come from? And it, it's like, oh, he's a pretty good player. Just not enough people are talking about him. So you're absolutely right. He made the play of the week. Uh, love what he could do. And it's, it's weird. The Iowa State game was one that we got to watch a decent amount of before everything kicked off in Austin. And I, I was looking at Mello and I was like, isn't it weird to watch Iowa State with a quarterback? And like, I don't know if their quarterback's a prospect. I mean, I've watched a half of a game, but just to see their offense opened up in a way where they were able to attack some down the field. But he broke like eight tackles. It was and awesome. I, I definitely went off and I, we were sitting in the hotel room and I'm like, I mean, you know how I get of course. I'm yelling <laughs> at the TV and fist pumping and shit like that. So big play. Love it for Hakeem Butler. The biggest play that I saw this weekend in person Gary Johnson for Texas all over the field. They shut down the run game. I mean, they absolutely shut down USC. And one of the hidden secrets, I think, in college football is how good Texas has been against the run last year. And now following into this year, Gary Johnson continues to make plays as a middle backer prospect. And he's he's athletic. He's not quite what we saw with Malik Jefferson last year in terms of athleticism. But I think his instincts and awareness are better. And they they kept them and tell me all summer, like, this guy's good. He's a, he's a prospect. You need to get on him. And then he kind of got banged up. And I think now we're seeing him healthy. And it's it's showing up on the field. Number 33 for Texas. He He's able to get outside the tackle box. He's playing with range. I think we even saw him a little bit in coverage this week. But against the run, he's definitely able to pull the chain and make some plays. Oh, yeah, that Texas team, I, I thought they had a chance of winning. And a lot of people were picking them, which I know you and Melo didn't feel great about when they did that. But they flat out dominated 
USC. And I can't imagine, like, being there, it must have felt, it just, it, on TV, it looked like USC could do no right in this game. And I think Johnson, obviously, is a huge part of that. So yeah, I picked USC to win. Yeah. I really, I really thought, and what's weird is we did that Thursday night, and then Friday, we walked into the facility, and I was like, shit, I messed up. Oh, they're like, feeling I- themselves? <laughs> yep. We were talking to coaches that were like, I want to go play right now. Like, I don't want to wait till tomorrow. Let's go right fucking now and do this. And I was like, oh, I messed up. Like, I picked the wrong team to win because they were they were fired up, man. Yeah, I think USC is missing that guy in green and white right now. But uh, stock down so. another quarterback. And this was interesting for me because you've talked to a lot of people around the league that for two years now felt like Jarrett Stidham has round one tools. And we've seen a lot of guys like this over the years. And this isn't to say the sky is falling on his stock, but Stidham is stocked down for me this week because decision-making, living up to the big moment, I don't think he's a top 10 pick. And I don't even know if he's really a round one quarterback. Now, with his tools, it wouldn't shock me if he is, and someone tries to develop him. Once again, I'm looking for a guy in this class to get really, really excited about, and Stidham kind of let me down. And LSU's tough, but guess what? Greedy Williams, Devin White, Grant Delpit, those guys are going to be on NFL teams very soon. So you got to perform against them. There's just no excuse for me not to. Yeah, I, I think this was a rough game for him. And and like you said, not let's not take anything away from LSU. That's a good team. But, you know, after that red hot start against Washington, you know, he barely plays against Alabama State. And then I thought he came out a little flat against LSU, to be Sorry. honest. And we saw the two picks. Uh, he, he wasn't able to make as much happen using his legs to extend the play or to find passing windows. So I, I think this is a game where you go back to or both games, honestly, and you try to find out, okay, who is he? Is he the guy we saw against Washington or is he the guy we saw against LSU? I think one positive is this, the Auburn schedule is tough. So we're going to get to see him against other good defenses where you can say, okay, which one was it? Who did, who was this guy? I mean, you know, they, they're coming up soon against Mississippi state. That game on October 6th is going to be a huge one for trying to determine like what, what is this dude? Cause Mississippi state has, I mean, they have like six prospects on defense that were, are going to be high draft picks. Front seven so that's going to be a good test for him. Yeah, so I, I absolutely agree with you. I would go stock down on Stidham as well, and and I, I've liked him. I, I've I've vouched for him throughout the season, so there are concerns there. Uh, my my stock up, and again, I cheated this week. I went with five. I don't care because okay. I, I only watched a, a certain amount of games because we were on the road so much, but I have to go with this guy whose name I'm going to butcher, O'Shane Zimenez a pass rusher from Old Dominion. And I wrote about him last week in my scouting notebook. You can get that in the BR app. This is a pass rusher who is legit, man. He has good size. His production has been there. And I know it's that time of year where everybody wants to start asking about sleepers and who do you like that maybe you know isn't mainstream. I like Zimenez more than a lot of the the higher ranked, you know, big name pass rushers. I, I got a Harold Landry vibe watching this dude. You know, he's 6'3", 250. He's agile. He can dip a little bit and bend. And he's very productive at, yes, at a low level. But I, I definitely like him more than I like Marcus Davenport at this time last year because I see more NFL tools where it's not just like, oh, this guy's just a, a huge player uh, who's a good athlete. So, yeah, we'll make him a pass rusher. I mean, he's definitely showing the tools week in and week out to be a, a really, really good pass rusher on the on the edge. I think he's a three, four outside linebacker. Yeah, and I heard if he declared last year that he would have been a day two pick. So the NFL is well aware of him. And it was a little bit of a surprise that he stayed. But if you're on the stock up watch, you obviously made a really good choice. I'm very curious to see if he can have this rise into the top 50 by the end of the year when all is said and done. Because 
like you said, Matt, some guys just have it as pass rushers like Landry, where at that size, only a few can really plant the ankle, turn and bend and dip and play at that size with that kind of explosiveness. So very excited about him. Another pass rusher that I was excited about this weekend that I'd never heard of before. I mean, I knew he's been a, this is his third year starting. He was a true freshman starter, but never heard of in terms of a draft kind of prospect. Kendall Coleman on Syracuse and Florida State's offensive line was humiliating. Coleman was a part of that. You can't control all the time who you play. He went out. He got the sack. He had a lot of pressures. He made really nice plays. Like I said, he's been starting since he was a freshman on that Syracuse defensive line. That means something to me. I don't care how much Syracuse has struggled over the last two years. They've looked very promising this year. Coleman is a big reason for that. He's nasty up front, high effort, a nice array of pass rush moves. I was pleasantly surprised with how he played this weekend and how he's played all season. Yeah, and I mean, Florida State's quarterback's not an easy dude to run down all the time. So the fact that he was able to get two sacks against Florida State, I think kind of puts him on the radar a little bit. Uh, one, the one question I'll probably have about him is just height and length. He doesn't look like the tallest guy out there, but uh, he he has been uh, a bit of he, bit of a hell He looks defense. like Carl Lawson in pads, like the yes. stocky. Yeah, he does. Yeah, you know that stocky build where it's like, damn, dude, that's a lot of muscle on a dude that's like six one, six two, and maybe he's taller, but that's how he looks compact. No, that's a great comparison. So my next stock up, and I I said earlier, you know, like I'm I'm trying to build up my big board, trying to get ranking settled, and I'm stuck at who's going to be number six. This guy might be number He's six, good. Raekwon Davis at Alabama. I don't know how it has happened that we've kind of forgotten about Raekwon Davis. I think maybe it's because of like, oh, there's Ed Oliver and Nick Bosa and Rashawn Gary. I might like Raekwon Davis more than I like Rashawn Gary. Just just to throw that out there. They're very different players, but Davis is 6'7", 310 pounds. He's your classic five technique. Uh, he can shift inside and play easily as a one technique in a four-man front, and he's going to be able to penetrate and get after the quarterback Number 99 out there when you watch Alabama play to me, and I'm going to talk about one of their other players as we get further down the stock watch list. He has been one of the most impressive players for Alabama, regardless of position all year long. And he is exactly what the NFL is going to want with his size, his production, the the flexibility to play all over the line. I wouldn't be surprised if this dude, he's a junior, if he comes out, I mean, I think he has to be, considered right now to be one of the top 10 players in the country just because of all the different things he brings to the table. All right, back on the positive train for me. Actually, I lied. I was looking at the wrong thing. Back on the (laughs) negative train for me, stock down. And this one is going to surprise people. I hinted at it earlier. A.J. Brown on Ole Miss. And people are going to look at the season stats from the last, you know, year and a half and be like, well, he's been really good. Let me tell you a little secret about A.J. Brown and why he might not be the best receiver on his team because D.K. Metcalf I was going to say that is another dude that plays like a grown-ass man. Okay, A.J. Brown, eight catches, 158 yards against Southern Illinois, two touchdowns. That's great. Alabama, four catches for 34 yards. And people are going to sit there and say, okay, well, that's Alabama. All right, last year, here we go. Against Arkansas, two catches, 48 yards. Against LSU, four catches, 39 yards. Against Alabama, one catch for six yards. I don't care about 200-plus yards against South Alabama. I don't care about 175 yards against Vanderbilt. And I most definitely do not give a shit about 14 catches, 185 yards against Louisiana. I think A.J. Brown is a talented player that has not lived up to the expectations I was hoping for. 
And I hope he turns it around because I looked at him over summer. I was like, there's some Andre Johnson to his game. That's a special player after the catch. But you got to do it against the big boys. And how many times, Matt, can we sit there and say it until you go, well, maybe it's not going to happen. Yeah, I'm, this my favorite word of the week is overrated. I think A.J. Brown's a little overrated. And you base a lot of that, like you said, on last year's tape. But once you start to get further into it, D.K. Metcalf He's might be a better player. Nikhil Harry, Arizona State, might be a better player. Marquise Brown at Oklahoma is a better player. Sega White side. Yeah, I mean, Kelvin Harmon at North Carolina State. Chase Claypool, Notre Dame. Like, there are, there are better, I think, receivers out there right now who are making plays. And with him, it it is such a concern for me. Separation is so big for me. And when I first watched him, I thought, like you, it was like, man, this guy might be like an Andre Johnson. He might be another Michael Thomas where he's so good on intermediate and breaking routes. He's going to be physical. He can make things happen after the catch. But I'm with you completely. You have to see it against big boys. Michael Thomas broke onto the scene or should have for everybody in the world against Virginia Tech playing against Kendall Fuller where he broke his fucking ankle like that. That should have been the game where you're like, this guy's pretty damn good with AJ Brown. We're just waiting for that. And you can't get caught evaluating stats. You got to be able to, okay, can this guy separate? Can he get open against press coverage from an LSU or an Alabama? And, And to your point, we really haven't seen it. So great call by you this week on a stock down there. Another stock up for me. I'm going wide receiver to match yours. Marquise Brown for Oklahoma. When I watched this dude over the summer, he's like, God, man, he's kind of small. Like, I don't know. Uh, He just seemed like a jitterbug. His role this year, I think, has evolved so much, or at least in the games that I've seen, where I I see him as a viable, maybe not wide receiver one because he is only 5'10", 180, but as a viable threat in the passing game, especially now, man, with all these NFL teams going to, spread elements and we're just trying to get dudes in space and let them make something happen after the catch. He is perfect for that. And Matt, I mean, put him in a a system in new England, the Rams don't need him, but put him there. put him in Kansas city where they also don't need him, but he would be a fit. I mean, he, he's not Antonio Brown, but he's like the college version of Antonio Brown, where he's just able to get open and then spin off people to accelerate to his field vision with the ball in his hands is so impressive. So, Marquise Brown is a dude that when I do put out new rankings, he might be my top receiver. That's how impressive he's been this year. I mean, he's so explosive and it's every single week. Now teams know it's coming and they can't stop him. And Kyler Murray is getting him the football. So when you can hit a guy in stride like this, I mean, NFL quarterbacks are going to hit a guy in stride like this. It's very impressive to me out of nowhere. I think, you know, when you look at CD lamb, we knew a little about him. I didn't expect this from Brown, this kind of big playability. So, all right, last one for me, finishing on a high note, stock up, Greedy Williams. I mean, he came into the season as the top corner. He's living up to the billing as the top corner. Like I said earlier, there's no one near him right now. This guy's going to be a top 12 pick if all if he just finishes on the route he's on right now. And a lot of times he finishes the receiver's routes for them when you look at these interceptions. <laughs> I love Greedy Williams. He's got the size. He's a dog. He's athletic. This is the press corner that NFL teams want. He's going to be a super high pick. Stock up Greedy Williams. You're going to hear that a lot this year. Yeah, I mean, he's my number five overall player right now. He's pretty damn good. Here's a name that I was not. I mean, you play for Alabama. You're like, okay, here's I'm going to print the depth chart. I'm going to scout all these guys. That's how good they are. Deontay Thompson has quickly become one of my favorite safeties in the country. Playing single high, he has range. His instincts are so good. He is a a guy that, yeah, you're obviously going to watch Alabama. 
but he has, I think, elevated above the, oh, he plays for Alabama, 6'2", 200 pounds, and I see him as the ideal free safety prospect right now, just for the way he can match up the athleticism that he's shown. I mean, that he had a pick against Ole Miss that was just exceptional. Against Louisville, he was just all over the place. With He had a pick. I think he had three or four passes defensively. He is quickly becoming a type of playmaker. I don't know if Alabama's ever really had a free safety. I mean, maybe when yeah. HaHa was back there, but he, he is a special dude over the top. He's the first guy they've given that single high responsibility to since HaHa. That's how highly they think yeah. of him. And that says a lot to me to the point where I actually think he might be an overall better football player than HaHa. But the fact that he has the skill set to fill that demanding of a role speaks volumes for me. All right, y'all, we have a ton of good draft on draft questions for you this week. And as always, you can send those in on Twitter, on Instagram, on Reddit. Y'all have been DMing us questions. However you want to do it, we will answer your questions. And let's start it off with Braden Wright at Braden Wright 2. He wants to know, were we surprised by Darius Leonard's performance in week two? He went off and he had 15 tackles, a forced fumble and a sack uh, on the stat sheet. I did not get to break this game down again. uh, I have that excuse. I was on the road and. Unfortunately, that's going to happen a lot this year where we go to a game on Saturday. We're trying to get home on Sunday, uh, and I'm just not able to watch all the games that I previously would have. So I kind of have to rely on, you know, like guys in the scouting community. And what I've seen is like Darius Leonard uh, stats were amazing. Yes. I guess he had 18 total tackles. Um, maybe the impact, at least like what I talked to a pro scout for the Colts when this question came in yesterday, and he basically said like, Kid's good, but you know he needs to get a little quicker at reading, reacting. Yep. Um, he's maybe making more cleanup plays than he is initiating plays, but they're really happy and excited about where he's at. So, I guess to answer the bigger question, I, I did not have him ranked as like a premium prospect. I, I'm actually pulling my my rankings up right now. I liked him, but I did not expect him to be an 18 tackle guy in his second NFL game. I don't know that anyone would have. Um, but I, I kind of saw him as an undersized, like weak side, fast linebacker. Uh, I had him ranked as a round two slash three fringe player. So he would have been on my board drafted around like, you know, probably 60 to 70. Uh, if you want a tight window of where I thought he would have been picked. Yeah, not top 40. I think John Ledyard did a really good job charting this basically where he, and he didn't like post the chart, but he was saying what people miss here. It, it's a nice performance from Leonard. He made some really nice plays. He was like a lot of the tackles were after the running back gained five yards. And, and I think that's something that people get mixed up a lot. This was a nice performance from Leonard. It wasn't a superstar performance. I think what you talked about with the pro scout hit the nail on the head. It, the read and react still needs to improve because he's got the he didn't test well, but in pads, he looks very athletic to go make plays. So if you're the Colts, you should feel pretty good about that. I mean, this is a pick that a lot of people thought was a reach. And if you can get that kind of production out of him this quickly, it's a good sign. All right, this next one from Patrick Chamberlain on Reddit. Based on the first three weeks, who are some sleeper CFB playoff teams? It has to be LSU. I was going to say, it's st- I mean, the conversation starts yeah, with LSU. It, it really does. And I mean, from there, you know, Stanford is 3-0 and right now. And I really thought Washington would be the team to beat in the Pac-12. But right now it's Stanford. They look like a very dangerous team. Notre Dame, I I don't know if you call Notre Dame a sleeper because they're Notre Dame, but they're still hovering around. Out they there haven't played very well. <laughs> That's they the haven't. Thing. <laughs> they haven't, but they're still three and zero. My deep, deep sleeper, like 
way out of left field sleeper, Mississippi State. And I know how hard it is for a couple of SEC teams, and their schedule is brutal, but Mississippi State is playing very well. They have the defense. They have Kylan Hill. They have Nick Fitzgerald. Like They have enough players to where I, I think they could sneak in and, and be a surprise team, If especially if we get a couple losses in there. Like Alabama's probably going to go undefeated. Clemson's probably going to go undefeated. But like if we get a Georgia loss, an Ohio State loss, an Oklahoma loss, that's where a team like Mississippi State could get in there. Uh, you're going to be a little surprised by mine, but I actually think it's it's not that crazy. Virginia Tech right oh, now. Like that. So Virginia yeah. Tech is 2-0. and They play East Carolina. It was postponed. Old Dominion, Duke, Notre Dame, who has not been that good and could lose to Virginia Tech. Yeah, that's a great one. UNC, Georgia Tech, Boston College, Pitt, Miami, who's been a letdown, and Virginia. No, they could go undefeated. Why is this a team that won't go undefeated? Uh, That's a great question. It is. I'll tell you what. Virginia Tech right now, sneaky playoff contender. Sneaky. Man, that's a great one. Yeah, no, that's that's a really good call. I mean, we could be seeing them in Clemson, uh, you know, in an ACC championship game. So uh, that is going to be wild because they definitely could roll in there. That game's December 1st. They could roll in there undefeated. And it, it, it really, really surprised a lot of people. Their, their defense is good. Their, their run game is very good. I like well that. Coached. That's a great answer. Yep. Always well coached. Always. Uh, next question, man, from Dan BRZ on Reddit. A buddy and myself recently started a podcast for their fantasy football league. They're both huge fans of stick to football. I wanted to say thanks for the inspiration to start podcasting. And they would love to know if we have any tips for some beginners to get started. I wanted to throw this one in here, not only to shout out Dan and his buddies for doing the podcast, but we actually get this question a lot. And I think one of the important things is to just figure out, you know, what, what are your lanes? Like for us, it's college football and NFL draft, but you know, you're going to get like off the wall, like barbecue and beer and tailgating. So it's like, those are the categories that you would put us in. I think you got to figure yours out. Like if yours is fantasy football, what do you bring into the table? Is it, you're going to do previews of the week? Uh, is it going to be, you know, rankings? Like how, how are you separating yourself from the the rest of the crowd in that space? Uh, and then otherwise just have fun. Like, I think that's what makes stick to football work. And, and we, I think we've all been really happy and somewhat surprised by the success early, but so much of it is because like you and I are just friends who talk Connor. And like when Mello is here, obviously it's like we have a rapport that is 30 years in and, yep. and that's what makes this show work really well because it's never forced. It's just a couple of friends talking. Exactly. We're ourselves. This is the conversation you would get if we were sitting around hanging out, watching football or drinking beers or at a baseball game. I think the best advice I could be, I can give is to be yourself. And like Matt said, carve out a niche. I, so many people reach. It's always funny. Like so many people reach out to me like, Hey, how do I break in? And I'm like, man, I'm still trying to figure it out. Like, to be honest with you, but if I can give you some advice, how to like, just get your foot in the door, you got to be really, you got to offer something that makes you an asset to the company. So, and that starts with really being yourself, but also having skills. We always talk about go learn production, write and read every single day. So it's really cool that those guys are starting their show. And I hope one day that, you know, we're sitting there and we see them on iTunes um, and, and be really good. I I mean, we were talking about this at work the other day. Matt Camp, our fantasy football analyst and somebody that's on this show every year. You look at the fantasy pro rankings. I haven't checked week two yet. Week one, first place out of all the analysts for rankings out of yeah. 80 analysts. 
Be good. And the guy does the work nonstop. That's what matters so much. Yeah, it does. And uh, what's the name? Camp's podcast. It's Fantasy Camp, right? Yes. That's his podcast. Definitely check that out if you're into fantasy football. Like I, I, Connor and I were joking about this off air. It was like so many people are asking me fantasy questions. When that happens, I send people to camp. I'm like, hey, yep. just, uh, I'm a draft guy. Like, talk to this dude because he's the man. All right, one more question. Two more questions. This one uh, also comes in from Reddit. What are the best states for high school, college, and pro football? I am incredibly biased here. I th- I still think Texas is the best state for high school football. It's not even, it's not even close. And, and here's a conversation. I mean, you heard it on the the Monday morning show. Yep. You know, we talked to Jordan Shipley and Michael Griffin, and we they we interviewed them at different times. They were not in the room together, and they both brought this up. LSU. All these colleges who are great, they're getting kids from Texas. Even we were just talking about Deontay Thompson. He came from Texas. Like, and, and there was this stat running around week one of, of the NFL season. It's like, what colleges produce the most uh, pro players? A lot of these kids, I would be curious to see how many of these kids played high school in Texas and then just went somewhere else to play college ball. No disrespect to Florida and California. They do amazing things. Everyone knows. Florida and California are great for football. I still think Texas is the best for high school football, especially when you drive by those fucking stadiums that cost like $20 million. And you're like, that that's a high school. That's nicer than the college I went to. Uh, they do high school football right down there. I'm completely with you there. For high school, I mean, it's, it's Texas to me. That's, that's where a lot of these great players come from. College, Alabama. Yeah. Uh, pro you football. Alabama and Auburn there. That's why. I mean, they're two great programs, the best program in the country and one that's always competing to be in the top five. Ooh, pro football. Not easy to answer. It's really not like I I want to say California, but that might just be because they have the most teams there. Right. Yeah. And also nobody shows up to the Chargers games. No. So and the Raiders are leaving. Yeah. So it's it's hard for me to say. So, yeah, the Rams and Niners, they're pretty good. That's. Wait, that's actually one of the hardest questions we've ever been asked. What yeah, is the best is. state for because the Jets and Giants have not been good lately, and the Bills can't tailgate anymore. So, oh yeah, oh, I mean, what a joke. There's an like if the Jets, Giants, and Bills were good, which they're not, you can make an argument. New York State is actually low key one of the best pro football states because we don't care about college here. I know I do, but that's totally different. I'm the smallest sample size. Here, yeah. the, the state as a whole does not care about college football. They care about pro football because there's no good programs here. I don't know if there is just one state like Wisconsin, right? Like, oh, they love college football. They love the Packers. But I, I don't know. I, like, I, I actually would give it to them. Probably I, so. I mean, I think the Green Bay, everything about the Packers fan base and franchise, it's hard to oh, it's hard to know, pick against them. We're so stupid. It's Pennsylvania Steelers and Eagles. Oh, we are pretty dumb. Yeah, there it is. But that's because we, the that's because the give Eagles us a just second, won, we'll get there. <laughs> the Eagles just won a Super Bowl. Like for a while, it was the like you right. can make the argument for the Steelers because the Steelers have such an incredible wide range fan base, and the Eagles have passionate, sometimes too passionate of fans. But most recently, because of the Super Bowl last year, right? It's Pennsylvania. They're obnoxious, man. And, and it's a I wild would be bunch. too. Like I would be too if. If I actually like lived in San Francisco and the Niners were good, I would be as obnoxious as humanly possible. Or if I lived in Austin during Texas's heyday, everyone would hate me. So I would be too. But man, the Eagles oh. fans are—they are. Can you imagine rowdy. if the Jets and Bills were good? 
what those oh fan, god what those fans would do it'd be amazing they'd have to put a jail at metlife yeah, they gotta have probably like a one, holding but... cell somewhere not that i've ever been in it just to clarify <laughs> but there has to be one somewhere all right last question uh from open coast on reddit with the packers having two first round picks and an obvious need a pass rusher who would fit that need Cleveland so, Farrell. <laughs> yeah, Cleveland Farrell is is definitely the answer. And one thing to remember, I mean, we're very far out. The Packers are probably going to be a playoff team even after that god-awful tie. They're, they're a team that's going to be drafting. Let's say they're going to be drafting 20 to 30, right? I don't think they're a Super Bowl team as of yet. 20 to 30. That really affects you. And the Saints, the the other team that, whose pick they have, I know the Saints have come out one-on-one. They're, they don't look phenomenal they're probably going to be a playoff team as well. Like they're going to write that ship. It's not like they're going to have be a team that's, you know, drafting in the top five, unless drew Brees gets hurt. So you're probably going to have picks two picks between even if you want to say one of those teams just misses the playoff 18 to 30 is where you're going to have those two picks. Unless you package up to get Nick Bosa, you, you are looking at maybe Cleveland Farrell would be there. I mean, it's not a guarantee. I have him at number 11 overall right now. So is he going to be there? At oh, 20? I was, I was assuming a trade up. Yeah. I mean, Zach Allen is not your prototypical edge rusher. We've talked to him. He really likes playing down with his hand in the dirt. I don't think this is a great edge class. I mean, you might be kind of reaching for someone like Montez sweat or our guy as uh, is from, from old dominion Brian or, Burns, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, man, I'm not sold on him. We can definitely get him. I don't think he's time, a, he's solidified himself as a first round player. No, um, another, it's too bad. Terrell yeah. Lewis from Alabama hurt his knee. Yes, because I think we would be talking about him as a, a top 20 type guy, but he he's not playing this year because he's hurt. So unless he gets back on the field and dominates. Another thing I want to get out in front of Max, I think you'll agree with me here. I see so many people on Twitter and I, I totally get it. I'm not shitting on anyone here. They're saying, well, we should package up everything we can get to get Nick Bosa. I've seen it from Oakland. I've seen it from Jets fans, whoever it may be. <laughs> if it only were I'm, easy. I am putting my money that Nick Bosa will be the same exact situation as Miles Garrett again, where whoever picks number one will say, nope, we're good. He's the best player in the draft. We'll take Thank him. you. Thank you. There's it, no price. Everyone thinks it's this so easy. To, oh, Why, would just straight up. Why would you, you move? Why would you move? No way. No fucking way. It's the same as Jadev and Clowney. Everyone was like, oh, you got to take a quarterback or you got to. No, we don't actually. Like, we'll just take the best player. And especially like we we were talking about earlier, the Bills, the Cardinals, like the, those teams look really, really bad right now. They're trending to be the number one pick. They just drafted quarterbacks last year in the first round. They both traded up to draft quarterbacks in the first round. So you would take Nick Bosa and you would be on drugs not to unless you're going to take out Oliver. You want an interior pass rusher instead? Okay, but Bosa's just too good as a prospect for I think anyone to oh, let's let, yeah, we'll trade out. We'll give you a generational pass rusher. No big deal. This doesn't it, it's not that easy. It, it's definitely not. Great way to end the show. Love that question. Uh, definitely keep sending those into us, guys. And again, Fort Worth, Texas September 29th. Me, Connor, Mello, Walker, we're going to be out there all day Saturday. It's a night game. Uh, TCU, Iowa State, going to be a blast. We're going to be out there all day tailgating. We want you guys to come by and say hi. You can actually get on the podcast. We're going to be taking live draft on draft questions. So you want to stop by. Walker's going to give you a microphone. You can leave your draft on draft question and hear your lovely voice on the show when we come back from TCU. So definitely come find us. Stay tuned on Twitter and on Instagram at Stick to Football. 
to get the information for that. That's it for today. For Connor, this is Matt. We'll talk to you guys Friday morning.